teachers. And I was like, see, Eastern Red Cedars affects schools too. This is why you should care. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Stream of Consciousness, a radio program made possible through 90.3 KRNU. Uh, I'm Ben Kula. I'm your host. Today, I'm talking with Abby. Hi, Abby. Hello. Um, this is my friend, Abby, and today we'll be talking about trees. <laughs> There's so much to unpack with that sentence already. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, so, Stream of Consciousness is a show where I just talk with my friends about things that they are particularly knowledgeable about. And so uh, this is one of the few cases where I'm, I kind of understand what's going on. Uh, both Abby and I are plant biology majors. You're a plant biology major, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't remember if you changed or not, but um, yeah. So why are we talking about trees today? Well, trees are often a very, um, trees are often used a lot for publicity and for making people look good and um this is something i didn't quite realize the detriments to it until like last year and i think it's something that we don't talk about enough because people assume planting trees or the presence of trees is good and removing trees is bad and it is not really like that at all especially here in the midwest it's not as clear cut yeah okay so i mean things we know about trees they're big, they're tall, and most people when talk about trees for like environmental sense, which is kind of what we're going on about today, is they sequester carbon. You take carbon dioxide from the atmosphere, suck them in, and hold them in, right? I mean, what's not to love? Well, the problem with a lot of tree planting campaigns, first of all, most of the time when they say, you're planting one tree, it's very likely that tree's gonna die. Um, at least 50% of trees planted in these campaigns die within a year. That's just kind of what happens. I mean, trees die, especially when you like transplant them, and it's just kind of part of it, but they don't, they advertise it as, you're planting a tree when you drink this coffee, but you might be planting a tree, but. Wow, I, I wasn't expecting that. Like, 50% mortality rate, that's. That's that's very low. That's, like, that's pretty very high. Bad. Yeah, <laughs> like, that's not doing as like that's not doing half as much as they're saying they're doing if these trees are going to be dead within a year and like obviously if they're planting like a million trees or whatever they're not going to actually be checking the survival of these trees they're just going to say it's in the ground now it's going to grow and sequester this much carbon we're going to get the credits that sequestered that much carbon even though it probably didn't sequester anything oh okay so these companies are actually using like Okay, we got to roll it back because we both kind of know what's, what we're talking about. So, <laughs> so essentially carbon credits are um, reducing your environmental output um, a lot of com- and essentially getting like a, t- a lot of times they get like a tax credit for it. So a lot of these like big tree planting companies will sell carbon credits to like big polluters like Exxon or BP. And then BP will be like, oh, we're offsetting all of our carbon type of thing and then they'll get like credits for being able to offset their carbon even though exactly how much carbon they're offsetting is very highly overestimated 
Yeah, because 50 of the streets are dying. Exactly. And then there, it goes into the whole case of a lot of these trees are being planted in places where trees shouldn't be planted. This is, like, the biggest concern when it comes to it. Um, like, they wanted to... I'm trying to think. Like, there was this big one, like, uh, Trillion Trees campaign a few years back. Okay. And they're trying to, like, plant a trillion trees across the world. But the problem was we had to look at the site and, like, look at their sustainability and look at their, like, ecological background, and it just wasn't there. And a lot of the people living in the communities where these trees are being planted are, like, these. this isn't a tree region. This is, like we live in a grassland or like we live in a savanna that doesn't have this type of tree and they're coming in and they're trying to forest an area that doesn't need to be forested but so instead of actually protecting these areas that might need some funding for restoration of like a grassland or re-implementing a fire regime instead they are just putting in trees that never grew there in the first place just so that they can say that they did something to help the ecosystem even though it's going to cause a net detriment Hmm. so they're going to places that just shouldn't have trees to begin with i mean we are in the great plains not many trees around here in (laughs) nebraska at least not naturally because when you see trees they're generally either around like riverbanks or just watered regions and then everywhere else in nebraska is well plains grass grasslands <laughs> yeah exactly and we have a very bad problem in the midwest with eastern red cedar mm-hmm. um you know this but it's this very overpopulated tree that it thrives off of like a lack of disturbance regime and it, uh, off of a lack of off of a lack of water and nutrients, like, and that's what we're seeing a lot in these Midwestern soils. Um, now, when we came in and we started farming the land, and this was a historically burned region, and when we stopped burning the region and we started farming the land, we were taking out the nutrients, we were drying out the soil, and we weren't causing any disturbance otherwise to the landscape. So eastern red cedar thrived off of that, and it's growing across the state. And... It's just, it's such a widespread problem, and people know it's such a big problem throughout the state. Uh, but meanwhile, there's a lot of people planting these trees. Like, Arbor Day Foundation actively gives out these trees for free. Oh, Arbor Day is using Eastern Red Cedar as their as their tree of choice. Yeah, like, they'll, mm. they'll be like, we'll give you 10 trees for free, and Eastern Red Cedar is almost always one of those. So we have this invasive plant that is causing huge problems in especially western Nebraska where it's more sandy soils and already more nutrient deficient. And we're just sending these off to other countries, other places, or is it mostly being planted here in the Midwest with this Arbor Day Foundation? Uh, I think it's mostly being planted here in the Midwest and like wherever the, I don't know how far reaching the Arbor Day Foundation goes, but it's mostly in the Midwest that they do their like planting campaigns and stuff like that. And uh, when it comes to Eastern Red Cedar, it also goes down to the state because there's, I can't think of the exact departments right now, but there's one department of the state that plants and sells Eastern Red Cedar saplings, and then there's another department of the state that pays to have them removed. Both being funded by the state. Yes, exactly. So the state money is directly contradicting itself. Oh, that's very funny. (laughs) 
yeah, it, it kind of perfectly sums up, um, like, environmental funding through the state because it just it's too often there's people who don't know exactly what the problem is and they just w- want to help farmers because this uh, farmers love this tree a lot of the time ex- if they're not cattle farmers because it's a great shelter belt. The tree can't die. Um, it's very hard to kill this tree and it grows in very dry places except for if you have a when we are sorry when we're planting it in these dry places then it causes this increase of seeds and further increases the issue yeah so it's kind of um a debate actively between like cattle farmers and people who grow corn out on the panhandle because they're the cattle farmers hate it and then the people with the growing crops love it it's like constant back and forth because they make really good windbreaks yes exactly just a nice sturdy tree that can essentially stop all of that from disrupting the crops and all that but then it really makes its way into pasture land which cows can't eat it it's pretty toxic to them too right yeah it's pretty toxic but they just won't eat it they'll leave it alone they they hate it hate them as much as we do yeah so we have this this dilemma here of companies planting all these trees but then these invasive trees then do what invasives do and start invading (laughs) yeah and it's just it's such a big like widespread issue because people are so often like view planting trees as good and very often they are very good and there's a good impact there but these campaigns that are further and further preaching this fact are kind of pushing the general public to want to do more and more be like ooh, we want to do more with trees we need more trees we need more forest when in reality we need more protected ecosystems which means more forest in some regions but not in others yeah because if you already have a diverse ecosystem of integrated grasslands bunch of different species working together all that stuff and then you tear out that land and plant a bunch of tree non-native trees there you've probably just released a bunch of carbon into the atmosphere by depopulating the grassland and then you're left with a bunch of trees that may eventually in time recover that but why'd you do it in the first place exactly just like leave the ecosystem as it wants to be um with the goals of reinstating it back to how it was like pre-colonization but recovering an ecosystem to be a forest is just it's a very um it goes like way back to colonization in europeans because europe is a lot more forested than like the great plains so when they came to the great plains they thought the way to make the great plains livable quote unquote was to add forests so there was requirements like plant trees on your homestead and it just all kind of stems back from the european view of like the perfect landscape like a that kind of english villa type idea of hill and then rolling hills and forests when that's not necessarily what was here before that is interesting because i thought this whole initiative of planting trees was i mean i know it was new from an environmental conservation standpoint but even for colonizers to be like oh we need to make this fix this place as we we well know the colonizers didn't do a great job (laughs) of fixing things uh 
Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. They they took a lot of knowledge they had about a different landscape and applied it to one that didn't need their advice. <laughs> yeah. Um, and when it comes to eastern backtracking a little bit here, eastern red cedars is actually is impacting a lot of the state's like economics. Like millions of dollars are being lost from public school funding because a lot of these grazelands, the the profits from the grazelands directly go to public schools. And then when um, they're having to spend more and more money every year trying to clear eastern red cedars, so it's resulting in millions less money going into Nebraska public schools. Oh, that's an interesting dilemma of I didn't realize that was a thing having the I mean obviously the public funds public schools that's the whole the deal but the fact that it wasn't just you know yeah it's a weird like economic system that I don't quite understand but um yeah, it really shocked me there because, like, I remember saying to my parents, because my parents are teachers, and I was like, see, Eastern Red Cedars affect schools, too. This is why you should care. <laughs> <laughs> but in these reforcing campaigns, so we've talked about, like, Arbor Day, this whole Midwest issue, but, I mean, it's a thing in plenty of places, too. Like, uh, I was talking about, like, Team Tree is that thing a while back, um, where I think they were trying to reforest the Amazon, if I'm not mistaken. Uh like we're gonna plant a million trees the same sort of deal of just for we're doing this for the sake of doing it but i don't know if you know about this uh situation but with some of these foundations some of these groups they end up going into an area planting all the trees but they're not trees for the sake of you know conservation or what have you but they're trees that are meant to then be made into paper Oh. So they go and they're like, we're going to plant a million trees. And they plant a bunch of trees and then they tear them down two to five years later and end up just using them for manufacturing. So I think that's another like interesting kind of view on all this stuff because people don't think, oh, I'm supporting this campaign to help save the environment. But at the end of the day, it also ends up just ends up profiting some paper mogul. I don't think they're paper moguls, but <laughs> <laughs> that is really interesting though, because um, people really don't think about they're like, oh, I'm gonna plant a tree, but trees live a very long time, and you you're not gonna remember the fact that you planted a tree in like two weeks. So I think it's interesting that this company kind of exploited that fact by being like, we're gonna plant all these trees, and then when within a couple years, people don't remember that, and then they use those exact trees for products. Yeah. There was um, a campaign, I forgot what it was called, maybe 10 trillion trees, I could be wrong about the name, but they wanted to plant a line of trees across Africa, and <laughs> there's a lot. So. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, and it was, like, across the Sahara Desert part of it, and, like, just, like, create, like, a straight line of trees going from west to east as, like, a corridor for wildlife. And everybody was like, this is a bad idea. You should not do this. And a lot of um, ecologists in Africa were like, please do not do this. And they tried to do it. It didn't succeed because, you know, Africa has a lot of very dry areas that can't grow trees. It's called the Sahara Desert. Exactly. Deserts aren't exactly (laughs) known for their ability to grow trees. 
Like, in the fact that they were being actively told that was a bad idea, and we're like, oh, no, it's fine. We, we want to do this. We want to um, increase um, carbon sequestration in this place. And I'm like, well, first of all, n- they're not going to grow. Second Obviously. of all, we can't go in and destroy Africa's ecosystem when they are the ones that are – I forgot exactly how much it is, but the amount of carbon that they're emitting is so – far less to any developed nation that we shouldn't be putting our burden of trying to sequester carbon on them because it's it's simply not their problem and we're the ones causing it. Yeah. And then we're going to go in and try to ruin their ecosystems by trying to fix our own mistakes and it's just going to make both problems worse. Yeah. Presumably it was some American company or at least... Yeah, it was... It was a an American based company yeah, that did some it. Western based <laughs> initiative like oh this is a great idea. <laughs> exactly. There was one that was actually led by uh Leonardo DiCaprio and I know him. <laughs> he was and it was in I think um Southern Asia. I forgot I forget exactly where. And people were like, "Hey, this isn't an area that needs trees. This is the grassland. We don't want to have all these trees planted here. This wouldn't be good for a community. And they kept trying to talk to him about it, and he sent out this message saying that they're wrong. Um, saying that the people who lived in the area were wrong and that they didn't know what was actually good for the ecosystem and that they were out to do this amazing thing with the tree campaign. And that if that isn't the most aggravating thing about a celebrity, just like, well, it's good because it's trees. So you're wrong. Yeah, it's not just – well, I guess it is still a public problem, but they're able to leverage that. Or I guess would Leonardo DiCaprio be a member of, like, the public here of, like, oh, this is what I've been told, so therefore it must be true of, well, trees must be good. I'm going to champion this champion this campaign. We will plant trees. And then it's just mi- a misled figurehead. He's still part of the misinformed public on this then. Yeah, 100%. But I guess to a point that as, like, the public is misinformed, but if you're being actively told something otherwise and refusing to listen, like, there's not much you can do. Yeah. Um, but it's just, it's so ingrained into society that it's going to be a net positive. Trees are good. I speak for the trees. All of this. Don't get me wrong. I love trees. I sound like a tree hater. Um, but it's just... It gets to a point that everyone is kind of part of this misinformed public, so we kind of need to take it upon ourselves to fix that. But, so, we've talked a lot about these misinformed campaigns, these bad ideas, as it were. <laughs> but, I mean, trees, like you said, trees aren't bad. I, I myself quite love trees, but there are also areas that obviously don't deserve them. Deserve isn't the right word. The Midwest <laughs> doesn't them. deserve trees. They need to work harder to earn them. No. Uh, but having these tree campaigns is detrimental in some areas, but presumably in some others, they are probably helpful. Yeah, I would assume because, like, um, Canada has so many forests that have just been completely clear-cut. And then companies... There was a requirement for a while for them to, like, go back in um, and, like, replant trees. 
in in order for them to you know be reharvested in the future and but the problem is so many of those trees were dying um because they were killing off the trees that weren't ideal for the um paper products so they were for example they were killing off birches in mass and they it was like government policy that they had to kill off birches because they were weedy trees that were slowing production of like the first wow yeah it was a really big issue and this researcher came in and figured out that without the birch providing um like the without birch and in the relationship birch has with these trees the trees were dying in mass like none of the trees were surviving they were struggling they were growing slower and meanwhile in situations where birch was still there the trees were growing so much faster and there was way more um wood product to be able to be harvested within like 10 years so a synergistic effect of even though you're planting less fir trees because they're in line with birch they both are able to boost each other's growth to a point of even though you have less trees the areas that had birches in them still produced more paper products than ones that just had firs? Yeah, exactly. And this was kind of um, spearheaded by Monsanto, The all the glycosphate that they applied to birch. Yeah, I, I see. Don't, see don't get me started on Monsanto. <laughs> and um, they were like, glycosphate for the wind, kill off these trees, and you can, they were, won't be competition. And this researcher essentially disproved this and the fact that trees don't just compete they do compete sure but they also um grow together and and like they found that through the fungus network underneath the ground i i love myself a good fungus network don't get me oh, started yeah. um no, we can absolutely talk about fungus <laughs> networks because i also can talk about fun- the fungus networks for as much as well because i was actually gonna gonna bring up the um the research canadian research for Douglas firs with these um, fungus. So trees have roots, obviously. Roots grow at a specific rate. A lot of plants um, will meet up with fungus and then create a little interface. So the trees can then push nutrients into this fungus at, at its roots and then have the fungus go out and search for nutrients because it's easier for fungus to grow as opposed to tree roots. There's a lot less work that goes into just one little filament of fungal hyphae versus a full full tree root. And I mean, jump in if you want to bring stuff up, but like common ry- mycorrhizal networks. Common, self-explanatory. Myco means is like scientific for mushroom. Rhizal meaning root. Network, obviously, whatever. But Essentially, areas that have older Douglas firs that are hooked into this mycorrhizal network will pump some of their sequestered nutrients into this, essentially, fungus system, and then every other tree that's hooked into it will benefit from the added nutrients. So these older hub trees will be able to just kind of boost up all of the trees in the area because of their own nutrients being able to then allow better foraging amongst the the mushrooms, the the fungus. Yeah, so it's just like a big 
mother tree of the forest helping all the little guys out exactly i just i love the concept so much because it's not something you would expect especially because um i think suzanne simmered was her name and she figured out she through using radioactive isotopes she could track that carbon was moving from um like a seedling of birch to a seedling of fir and found it in both of their leaves based off of because one of them because birch shoots out faster than fir Mm -hmm. so during the time that fir was growing a little slower it would transfer uh, nutrients to fir but when fir was catching up and was starting to shade out the the birch a little bit then it would be providing nutrients for birch so they would kind of change the job of the mycorrhizal network depending on what stage of life the trees were in because it can flow both ways like that's just so interesting it's so cool like it's just so, it's such a complicated like communication network that it just it, it was just like recently discovered like in the last 20 years or so that's just like happening everywhere in like all of our forest without us even realizing it. yeah and that's one of the that's one of the big takeaways for just general conservation is that the more different things there are, generally the better overall a, an area will be, a ecosystem will be. Because it once you take if you take out just random things that seem to not have a function, you may find they have a function later on. Especially with so many plants and well, non-animal species having very altered life cycles that we just don't have that much research into yet yeah exactly especially when you think about like forest ecosystems that we've come in and like dramatically changed and we don't actually have the research to know exactly what it looked like before we came in and changed it a bunch so um causing further damage or further saying oh this isn't exactly what we think the forest should look like often has adverse effects but also it's kind of a hard place when it comes to like actual forest management because we don't know what the forest look like exactly we have like sketches done by like the first discoverers but like that's not the same thing as like hard data so like how do we actually manage these forests in a way that's sustainable and a lot of that has to go back to just conversations with indigenous tribes and see what was retained from them about how they could how they lived on the land and how they maintained like such a gorgeous ecosystem yeah and that's one just such a common like through line of talking to indigenous peoples because they lived here for for thousands hundreds of thousands of years and know how to interact with things um, to jump back to trees real quick, because my brain just jumped back to trees. Yeah, no, good to get us back on track with trees. <laughs> um, oh, what was I saying? There's a lot of uh, tree campaigns that I don't want to discredit. Um, like, there, the first one I can think of is Ecosia. A lot of people use, like, you search and then it plants a tree, quote-unquote. Yeah. Um, their stuff isn't actually necessarily planting trees. Um, every quarter they put out a cost sheet that shows everything they spent money on and I looked a lot into what their restoration projects are and they're planting what needs to be planted in the right places oh and it's really encouraging they are saying like 
this place is a degraded grassland. They're going to go in and restore it with grass. Um, they use the trees as like a fun way to be like, you're searching and uh, planting trees, but they don't actually plant it, count it in that way. Oh, that's that's very good to know because Ecosia's always been one of those things I've looked at and go, just with a with an eye of suspicion of how are they, how, how does this work? Exactly. It, it seems too good to be true. Yeah, and I feel like they kind of use the public knowledge that trees are good and, like, they're, like, big tree counter to show how many trees they planted or whatever. Um, like, they use that to their advantage so that they can actually do the stuff that matters, but it just it's less like, bright and less attention-grabbing than a tree ca- planting campaign. Yeah. So it's kind of a cool way that they've used public knowledge and, like, public knowledge deficiency to their advantage. Yeah. That's that's encouraging though because not everyone is just going around saying well trees are good we'll plant them everywhere, <laughs> and then end up doing possibly irreparable damage to native ecosystems, <laughs> <laughs> but actually going in and not just going by the ego but listening to those local experts and listening to scientists and knowing what is actually correct for that area. Yeah, exactly. And I just, there's, history has a bad reputation for white people coming in and saying we know what we're doing and ruining a pre-existing system that was working. And I think anything that's combating that and working against that stereotype is something that needs to be applauded and acknowledged. And we need to just be conscious of the fact that that is a trend that we do, even if we're trying to make things better or we're trying to help we are so capable of causing harm even if we're trying to help and I think it's really important to notice that yeah sorry that was very depressing no I mean (laughs) hey that's that's the kind of true nature of it all and that's (laughs) a little bit scary (laughs) you know but I mean we kind of just have to take those ecological initiatives with a grain of salt like uh, as with anything when it comes to marketing and just brand awareness seeing what a company or what a group of people are doing and not just me going oh that that must be good but taking a look at it and saying okay what are they actually doing what are the facts having to do that little bit of digging because you found out all that information with a small Google search, a small Ecosia search, <laughs> but potentially, but finding things out and not just taking things at face value, which is unfortunately a pretty common trend in today's life. Yeah, well, because, I mean, people's livelihoods are to, like, like marketing, I feel like it's meant to sell things and they, it's just, We've become very good at it, and we've become very good at just looking at things for face value. Yeah. So, yeah, thank you for for chatting. Uh, This has been 90.3 KRNU, uh, Stream of Consciousness. Any last words, Abby? Have a good day. Tree. (laughs) Tree.